Good morning and welcome to the Archive of Interconnectedness. Nestled among the rolling hills of Hollister, California, lies a sacred space. As part of my permaculture design course with Permaculture Santa Cruz, we were invited to the land to learn from the community about traditional ecological knowledge and sudden oak life. The guest you're about to listen to is Dr. Lee Klinger, a world-renowned tree ecologist. And occasionally you will hear a Canyon Coyote woman chime in with traditional ecological wisdom. I came to California uh, to study the oak forests, I don't know, about 25 years ago. and. Uh, Boy, there was just something I couldn't quite figure out. I'd seen a lot of it. I'd been studying forests all over the world at that point. It was like these oak forests. There are early oaks are an early successional species. So succession is this that's like the primary force of nature all around us. And it's going on all the time. And it is the most powerful force of nature. It is countered by fire, which is also a force of nature. But boy, and when they come together, you know, you're, we're seeing what's happening. Now, native peoples understood succession. So succession is this gradual replacement. So you start with a grassland. You can see this, and this is a pattern all over the world. I studied it in China and Africa, uh, all over uh, the United States. You start with a grassland and eventually shrubs will invade woody small woody species and you leave a if it, as long as that grassland's not disturbed as long as your dad isn't out mowing it right um shrubs will invade and after i don't know whatever number of decades if you leave the shrubs some trees will start to invade leave these trees and usually in a lot of areas around here it's the oaks that are some of the first tree species that come in so they're what we call early successional and then if you wait long enough you'll see that the pine trees will start coming in there's some pines up here the gray pine often the conifers replace the the deciduous trees or the broadleaf trees in this case and then the succession, believe it or not, continues for thousands of years in the places where you don't get disturbance. And that's actually how I kind of got into this business. I, I, I had in my mind I wanted to find places that didn't burn and didn't get disturbed and ended up going to Alaska and finding that actually all these different forest stages that we see drawn out over hundreds of years, um, you know, oaks, to uh, bays, to pines and redwoods. It actually extends, if you go up to Mendocino, you can actually see the succession. For thousands of years in undisturbed places, eventually the forests are replaced by peatlands, right? Peat forming organisms. And uh, so I was working in Alaska looking at what I'm, I'm bringing that up only because to tell you this is 
this is just the beginning of a very powerful force that uh, eventually ends up, um, if some of us are right, helping initiate ice ages on a global scale. So what I'm uh, um, really talking about at that level is Gaia theory. And Gaia theory is the idea that the Earth's a living system. And the succession I just described to you is simply the developmental process of an ecosystem. The same as we go from infancy to adolescence to maturity to old age. All systems, all living systems have a developmental cycle. So ecosystems at this landscape scale uh, are always developing. And that's this force of nature you can't stop. So when I got to California here, I was like, wow, all these ancient, hundreds of year old oak forests everywhere I go. But oaks are early successional. How did, how did the succession just get arrested? Arrested development at the <laughs> oak stage. And uh, I, I didn't have to ponder long. <laughs> Um, it became clear that, okay, so fires came through regularly, but then you start studying what the natural fire regimes are, and they're not anywhere near enough to keep it oak forest, and also often, well, so the only explanation is that these forests um, have been, and in many places still are, being managed through cultural burning. Um, might even call it prescribed burning. Actually, we do call it prescribed burning these days. But all of that, controlled burns, prescribed fires, it's all ultimately um, an extension of what we like to refer to now as cultural burning. So by burning frequently around the oaks, a number of things happen. First of all, in that process of succession, which I described, there's a, a very powerful process going on in the soil, and it's simply acidification, right? So we know from dozens and hundreds of uh, studies of soils along these successional sequences, and I've done them myself. Early successional soils are fairly alkaline to neutral in pH. And then through time, soils gradually acidify. And as they acidify, they lose alkaline mineral nutrients. And uh, I'm going to uh, talk about calcium, for instance, which is a very important uh, alkaline mineral nutrient for oats because calcium is the primary ingredient in healthy bark and wood tissue. So when things acidify, calcium is one of the first things to go. Now, I don't want to overemphasize calcium. There's a lots of other mineral nutrients that are in the soil, some of them, a lot of them trace minerals, that also start to get depleted. But if we just track calcium, uh, we can get a sense for what's going on. So these uh, two times, soils get acidified. Uh, acidification creates loss of calcium. Calcium is uh, very soluble in acidic conditions, so it gets leached out of the soils. Uh, the bark of an uh, oak has twice the calcium content as nitrogen. Nitrogen is like, isn't it like the most major nutrient, you know? So, yeah, it needs a lot of calcium. Um, 
wood also needs calcium, just like our bones. The strong wood. So what's happening is with acidification, we haven't been able to burn. Native peoples have, their burning was suppressed. Um, I'm working with a, a good friend, Native American friend, uh, a tribal chairman with Esalen tribe, Little Bear, and uh, he was telling me stories last week how uh, they were trying to arrest him for setting fires back in the 70s. Um, but <laughs> but they kept setting them. <laughs> Now some of their, their land is some of the healthiest around. So without fire, and after fires, calcium contents and a lot of these mineral contents go up. Uh, you start to get a deterioration of the bark, some cracking, these deep cracks in the bark are forming. Right? Cracks are allowing insects to get in. This is riddled with insects. There's probably an infection here. Um, uh, there's something wrong with this tree, you can see. And my argument is uh, it is in part due to the nutrient deficiency, alkaline nutrient deficiency of the soils from lack of burning. So that's one, one symptom that I'm attributing that. Now the other thing is fires, the, uh, ground fires, which are the good fires, healthy fires, which we like, we want to encourage around the oaks. Um, we'll burn up to the base of the tree and heat the trunk bark, heat it up. Well, guess what? That actually heating is stimulating bark to thicken, the heat from fires. So without the heat from fires, you're not getting that stimulation for the thickening of the bark. And I know this now. I suspected it years ago, but then I started seeing you know, the health of the of bark coming in on forests that had burned 10, 20, 30 years ago, and it became clear. Also, uh, I've, been doing, I've been doing a lot of surgeries on oaks, actually even cutting out the cankers and finding that when you cauterize the edge of the wound, it really stimulates rapid regrowth. So I'm quite certain that, that heating from ground fires is an important way to keep the bark healthy. Now, the reason I'm focusing on the trunk of the tree here is because this is kind of the most important part of the tree, to be honest with you, and, you know, in terms of, you know, this area of the tree. Yes, the root's important. Yes, the trees are important. But this believes that this, if something goes wrong here, then stuff, the leaves can't transport nutrients to the roots, the roots can't transport nutrients to the leaves, water, Trees dies, and um, quite often we get these diseases like sudden oak death, and there's many different diseases, but sudden oak death is a big one around here, and it creates a canker. This might be a canker here, I can't tell. Um, whatever is going on here, it's nasty. It's, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, give this tree really more than about. 10 years, maybe maybe 15. Uh, I, I think it's too big to try to surgically remove this canker, and it might just end up spreading around. I don't know. The other thing is, is we can fertilize the tree, and the tree has defense mechanisms for cankers. I've seen trees fight off cankers without any help at all, without any kind of surgery. So 
Uh, I've seen him do it. It can't happen, but I don't know. Uh, but this is the stuff that is concerning. This is, and this is, this is, you know, nothing being done wrong here in the sense that this pattern is all over the state. So there's, you know, you can find this almost anywhere you go. Now, without these ground fires that burn through, one of the things that happens very quickly is bays are the next successional species after oaks. And uh, so oak seedlings aren't very shade tolerant. But bay species, bay laurel, seedlings are very shade tolerant, saplings. And they spread disease. They are the main vector for sudden oak death disease. Okay. Uh, they are, at this stage, not much, but they are competing for nutrients and water in, in this tree. Um, but more importantly, if it's not removed, this tree will grow right up through the canopy of this oak and grow taller than this oak. I've seen it time and time again. And, you know, just in a matter of 20, 30 years, they can just grow right up. Here's one. Like this, this, this bay is probably no more than I don't know, 10 years old. And it's already, well, that's a, that's a larger bay, but this bay right here is already a third of the way up through the canopy of this uh, sycamore. Uh, very fast tasty growing. <laughs> They're tasty. The, 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 nuts, the nuts have a lot of, uh, what is it, uh, it's, um, caffeine. So if you think about the original flavor of cacao, uh, original flavor of cacao, a little bit of coffee, and then um, not hazel, uh, not the oiliness of a hazelnut, but the shape of a hazelnut. And um, when you bite it, it almost it almost has like a truffle truffle like powder, like if you shave it, like taking bites. But it's oh, they're so really glorious. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peanuts. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so it's so glorious. It tastes good. And of course, herbally, the the aromatherapy and uh, medicinal, like you can play with bay, it's good for cooking, so it's not like it's not used. Mm -hmm. So I, whenever people start to eradicate it, I'm like, use it! Yeah. yeah. Use it! Yeah. That is elderberry. Elderberry makes our coffee sticks. So <laughs> elderberry right there, elderberry right there, and that tall one right there. Now, see that tall one on the other side of this little road? See all those shoots that are perfectly straight? Yeah. We use elderberry as clapper sticks. And also the new shoots that come from the ground, we can use them into, we turn them into whistles. Now, an elder told me that the plants and the animals, they're the first people. They came here first. Humans, we came last to be good stewards of the earth and to be good ancestors in training. It's our responsibility to steward them. And the original plants, the original species, the indigenous species, such as California native plants, if they do not feel as though they are being taken care of, they will go away. And we're noticing California native species are not as abundant because the invasives are choking them out, but also our relationship. When we have community members come up, they steward parts of the plants, and because some of them are scared of the poison oak to go to that one, they don't steward that one, and they trim it. They trim it for property. And clapper sticks are our instruments. And we use clapper sticks um, for ceremony and songs. And I'll bet you have one. <laughs> and so when you look at that one where those perfectly straight, nice and straight. Oh, 
So clapper sticks are oh, the greatest medicine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so When you tend and take care of it, it will produce what you need. Mm -hmm. When you tend and take care of it, you have a responsible relationship with it. So tend and steward the, the, these uh, elderberries um, here in the canyon. It's funny, the ones who get attacked the most commonly, because we always giggle that people always go to certain ones. We're like, you're just going to that one because that one's easy to get to. <laughs> but if they're easy to get to, they have the most traffic, they, they have the most traffic, they get the most love. And so like having access to different ones gives them gives opportunity for the community to steward and remind them to steward because when we forget to take care of them, our relationship uh, diminishes. We forget to talk to the plants, we forget to sing to them, we forget to thank them. And so it's a part of part of loving it. <laughs> yeah, these are big forests. Right? The acorn, the bay. Um, just to finish off with the bay, uh, my point is, bays and oaks don't play well together, right? Mature bay trees that are beyond the canopy of an oak, we love them. They're food, they're not a problem for the oaks usually, but it's these young bays underneath the canopy of the oak that are competing for resources, spreading disease. Sorry, this is just the reality. And um, also, maybe even most importantly, is that if and when a, a fire comes through here, stays on the ground, stays on the ground, and all of a sudden it hits that bay, which are very flammable. So what we love about the leaves, the oaks don't like about the leaves. Yeah. So the bays underneath the canopy of the oaks are um, uh, a fire hazard, essentially. They all of a sudden would turn a good fire into a canopy uh, burning fire, a bad fire. So, so, yeah, we've been aggressive clearing bays out around oaks, but like I said, pure bays, be around, leave them, they're food source. Uh, the other thing that's happening, you can see over here, particularly, a very thick growth of mosses, right? Now, one thing I learned, especially doing so much work in Alaska, is the power of moss. Moss is just is not some kind of niche filler, all right? It is a major force in ecology of the, the systems that they dominate. And mosses produce acids. And acids, so like, you, know, you see mosses on the ground up here, right? So we know the soils are acidic here, just because mosses prefer acidic soils. And not only do they prefer it, they uh, make the soils more acidic. Mosses growing on the bark of the tree are adding to uh, the degradation of the bark. So, uh, like in a lot of cases, this is probably the best example since you can't see it. But often, if you just uh, check out the integrity of the bark where there's no moss, and then check out the integrity of the bark where there is moss, you'll see 
the bark often flakes off when the mosses are growing. So we get the moss off with wire brush, or sometimes we'll even burn it off. This time of year, we can get away with just torching it. Um, but again, we focus on the trunk of the tree. The mosses are also nice, moist places for a disease spore to land and germinate. Uh, they're assisting in the spread of disease. We don't like to see a lot of moss on the base of the oak trees. Yeah, what about like we have a bunch of oak trees at my house and tons of moss on the upper limbs of the, on the tree? Upper branches, is that yeah, a problem? We could do more about that. Again, if we were burning every year, you wouldn't get that kind of buildup. But um, it, for whatever reason, uh, the insects and diseases that are attacking the oak trees, it tends to, the problems tend to happen here. Fortunately, and you know you don't see a lot of cankers. Uh, they actually did a study, the, the sudden oak death cankers, uh, most 80% of them are within six to eight feet of the base yeah. of the wow. tree. Uh, for whatever reason, you don't see can sudden oak death cankers out on the branches. Um, even if a, a branch uh, does get a canker or attacked by insects, then the tree loses a branch. But uh, we, we want to take care of this because we can't let the tree lose its trunk. Uh, other questions before we move on? Yes. What are like positives or uses for moss? Are there any, or is it uh, around here? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so native people, uh, from what I understand, used to line like their uh, uh, baby carrier baskets with mosses. Um, it's a, it's very absorbent, so if uh, infant urinates, it catches in the moss. So that's <laughs> I know it. I know that's a, a use. I'm sure there were I'm sure there were many other uses. I mean, they had six different uses for poison oak, right? Wow. So, at least you know that I'm and counting, all right. But uh, the lichens are also a problem. They produce acids, and in this area, we don't have a big lichen buildup. But you, you've seen in some trees, like they're heavy with lichens. Yeah. That's not good. Lichens are parasitic on the branches of the trees and are doing significant damage. Um, they too are very sensitive to smoke and and heat from fires, so that's how they would normally get controlled. Uh, but lichens also, we now have you know, lots of uh, uses, medicinal uses and, uh, and stuff. Uh, Ustmia uh, has a, is an important lichen. Whenever I see the adopt a highway, I'm like, and thanks to the forest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get so mad. <laughs> so Lee, there's a thread between and, and what Canyon said, and also what Greg was saying earlier. So, you know, Greg from Piscinus Ranch, we were talking about creating the conditions that then the plants or animals that you want can thrive in. And so, yeah. again, it's not so much that, like, mosses and lichens are bad or the bay is bad. It's just what is the system, what is the ecology that we're favoring, and how do we create the ecosystem conditions so that those that we enjoy are are thriving and so you know quite obviously oh i'd love to maybe pass back to you to talk about the the history through geologic time of like we didn't always have tons and tons of oaks in california but around 10 15 20,000 years ago all of a sudden 10,000 years ago 10,000 years ago yeah. they became yeah all dominant. the pollen records pop up you know 10 to 12,000 years ago in california oak just comes up and it does actually, to be fair, in many previous glaciations or interglacials as we're in now, 
for uh, several of them for more than 400,000 years, oaks would come back up, right? So that's not unusual. What's unusual about this period is that oaks came up about you know, 10, 12,000 years ago and they just it stayed oak. In all the previous records, the oaks were very spiky, okay? And conifers would come in, but not this time. This mm. time, it's pretty much stayed oak forest. Mm. And I, I personally think that's a pretty strong anthropogenic signal. Do we want to keep the oaks around? And we can make that decision. That's, this is important. I'm oak-centric, mainly <laughs> I love because oaks. <laughs> uh, I, I just, because I know that's what the native people were were tending here, and I know that from that work, these oak forests provided um, an ecosystem that when you read back about the early explorers describing this place, it just almost brings tears to your eyes, how beautiful it is. See, that, that is the question. If you like having the deer, the elk, all the thousands of birds, if you like that, the oaks are important. Yeah. If you're willing to let go of that, then we can keep going as the The solution is to get our forest to a point where we can put fire back on the land and let fire do the work, because that, that fire is so efficient. And I tell you, I'm doing the work right now by hand, and it is hard work. Um, and, and, you know, we clear all this area and then make some burn piles and, you know, and then in a half a day you've just burned four days worth of work. It took me until, like, I was in my 20s to actually realize, like, different oaks produce different size, yeah. different size acorns, and uh, live oak can produce different sizes too. I thought it was live oak equals skinny. Or, 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 you know, like a like tan oak equals fat, round, bulbous, or the, the caps are different. No, it's, it's also the age of the tree and the health of the tree and the well-being. If you listen to the birds, like, there are people who are really into tracking, and they could tell you, well, up here there's not that many predators, but in different spaces you can listen to the birds and they'll tell you if a predator's coming around, or if a bird of prey is around, or if there's all of a sudden the silence is like everybody else gets silent. But today we're... We're focused on our conversation, we're focused on our environment, so it's hard to listen. But I really appreciate those who are, who are finding ways to connect to those, because then you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs>